listening to the Make Chic Happen podcast with your hosts, Melanie Mitro and Katie Ursta, where we navigate the messy middle of building a business and all the work that goes into designing a life you love. Melanie Mitro built a seven-figure network marketing empire while working at the kitchen table, raising her boys and trying not to lose her mind. Melanie loves chatting all things marketing, time management, and leadership development. Katie created the foundation of her seven-figure business while teaching full-time, battling cancer, raising her boys, and avoiding all things laundry. Katie's got you covered with social media storytelling and impact-driven income. We're building a business right alongside you, giving you the inside scoop to the reality of entrepreneurship. The good, the bad, and the really, really messy middle. We're not letting you build your business alone. Pull up a chair, grab your coffee, and let's make chic happen. Now, here's your hosts, Melanie and Katie. All right, guys, we are interrupting today's podcast episode to drop you some really exciting news. You want to tell them about it? Sure. So Melanie and I are getting ready to launch the five-week business mentorship that is geared towards those who own their own small business and are looking to either launch a new product Mm -hmm. or service or maybe just scale or looking for ways to increase revenue. And so the five-week business mentorship is something that we designed Uh, to really help business owners just take it to the next level. So let's just, I'm just going to really quickly walk through a couple things you're going to get with it. So not only are you going to get five weeks of small group coaching calls with uh, instruction Mm -hmm. and of course resources, you're going to get a handout as well that kind of helps you and guides you through those five weeks. There's also going to be time for Q and A. So every week you're going to have access to pick our brains uh, about your business or your launch strategy or whatever it is that you are working towards. And Mm -hmm. what we both really firmly believe in is collaboration. So we're also going to be giving you access to a closed virtual collaborative community that is geared towards discussion, uh, questions, and sharing through our own online portal. Yeah. So, and we're we're excited about this. And really, where this idea came from was we we do business consults, we work with business owners, and the one problem we see is that people have these great ideas. Yeah. Maybe it's a product launch or a service or business launch altogether, or something new they want to add, and they're hyped, they're excited, they implement, and then it doesn't go as planned. Mm -hmm. And so they just stop or they get in their own way. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're like, gosh, every time I go to launch something, I psych myself out and I think I'm not any different or unique or special. And so you don't follow through with the plan. And and we are sitting here going, but it's so good. Just (laughs) stick with it, you know, try again. And so the business mentorship is our way to be your personal hype squad. Right. It's our way to walk you through implementation and execution and to really help you from a place of experience and and launching a lot of products and and services and experiences over the past nine years. So you guys, if this is on your mind and you want more additional information, we're going to drop it in the show notes. You can see the five-week business mentorship info. It begins the week of April 5th and you're going to get lots of access to Katie and I, and we're so excited about it. So please take advantage of this opportunity. We don't know when it will launch again or if we'll do it again. Um, So if you are on the fence, 
you know, hit us up with questions um, and reserve your spot. Yeah. Right? Also, because we love, love, love our listeners. We have in the show notes, a code for you to use at checkout for an yep. additional savings. Awesome. All right. Back to the episode. Okay, guys. everyone. It is Melanie and Katie of the Make She Happen podcast with a really, really important episode where you're talking to small business owners about sort of some considerations yep. that they want to keep in the forefront of their mind when they're getting ready to launch a business or they have an idea that they want to make sure that they are protecting and just some things that we, I know we didn't Mm -hmm. really necessarily think about when we opened Chic Influencer, moving from kind of moving from the direct sales space into our own business. There were so many things that we had to take into consideration, right? Like setting up an LLC uh-huh. and together then, too. Oh yeah. yeah. Partnerships. How much like percentage do we each get, <laughs> you know, and things like copyright. Yep. Trademark. Mm-hmm. And even like key phrases and stuff that we use within the business. There were things that we had to do. Oh, and even in our employees, we yeah. had to look at what did we want things like contracts to say? And oh my gosh. Oh yeah. my gosh. And employee versus independent contractor. Oh my gosh. We could go on I and know. on about the things we didn't know. And usually <laughs> We would like be ready to implement something. And then Matt would come in and say, you need a legal document for this. And it just like meant we had to like put the brakes on whatever we were doing. We had to meet with the lawyer. So it just is like, okay, this is a great topic that business owners need. And it's important. And I won't lie to you. It's not always that it's fun. Mm -hmm. Um, But these two women that we interviewed are are two of our clients. And we have gotten to know them pretty well just through our businesses. And what I love about this interview is you get to see partnership and collaboration over competition. And these women, they own a business together in law. And so their job is really making sure that people like Melanie and I, and and you are really protected when it comes to your business and your ideas. And so we're going to introduce you to two women, Uh, Amy Mara, who is part of the equation. You're going to meet her today. She is a lawyer. She's been practicing law for seven and a half years. She's also a mom Mm-hmm. Two kids. She has a four-year-old girl and a son who is three months old. So she is also in the trenches of motherhood as well. But uh, she counsels individuals and entrepreneurs and small business owners on things like just general business uh, matters, contract disputes, partner dis- dissolutions, and business transactions. So she is very, very knowledgeable, especially yeah. for us as small business owners. Yep. And then we've got Laura, Laura Katina, who is an amazing individual. We've had the opportunity to work with her and the Chic Influencer community, but she's been practicing law for, gosh, 19 years in and around sort of the New York City area. And then she opened um, her practice with Amy, right? So they are partners in Katina and Mara. And so they really, she really focuses on, you know, business and employment litigation, as well as business and employment law with a focus on just counseling small to medium sized businesses and real estate transactions, like things that are incredibly important. And she's also a mom of three. So she's got three kids that are 11, eight and nine, which is crazy. So they both wear many hats, but 
the one thing that I love about this interview is, you know, there wasn't that intimidation factor. Not at all. That comes when you meet with lawyers. And we've kind of been on that other end where we almost felt intimidated <laughs> or talked down to. Big tables. Yeah. <laughs> Big yeah. tables. And you're like, I don't know what yeah. you're saying. And so I think that's important that we really sort of understand that, you know, working with a lawyer is meant to protect you. Yep. It doesn't need to be an intimidating experience. It's incredibly important. And so we just go over a few key yeah. areas that'll help you guys um, is in starting scaling and growing your business. Yeah. So promise us as you listen to this episode, take notes, even if it helps you to download this episode, this is one that you're going to want to keep on hand for moments when you're like, I know that I'm ready to take my business to the next level. I'm ready to start a business. I know that I need to get an LLC in place, whatever it might be. This is the episode that you're going to want to, to keep in your back pocket. All right. All right. Enjoy. Well, hello everybody. What is up? It is Katie and Melanie of the Make She Happen podcast. And we are here today with two very special guests and we're actually very excited to record this episode because one of the most commonly asked questions that we get is, all right, give me the scoop. What do I need to know about going into a partnership? What kind of considerations do I need to take into account if I want to open a business with my friend? And so our guests today are going to give you some information and really help you dissect the ins and outs of all the things that go into business ownership. But I thought before we kick it off, Mel, we should tell a little bit about us getting started as business owners together. Sure. Uh, because we feel like it's, I think people assume it's just a lot of fun, but it's kind of messy, right? Mm-hmm. The whole yeah. process of it. So, okay. So we started Chic Influencer in really the idea started in 2018, but mm-hmm. we had been working together for six at that Longer time than that, year? probably seven or eight years by that. Yeah. Yeah. So we had been working together in, we owned it. Um, we were part of a direct sales business. Um, and so we had been working together. And so we knew each other for quite some time, very closely. Yeah. And so I think it's worth noting we knew each other's quirks too, because yeah. we know the good and the bad and the ugly. So seven years of, of sort of that, that work environment, let us see, you know, is this somebody that I could actually open a business with? I think that's important to note. Mm-hmm. And then we went into business together. We made the decision in 2018. Mm-hmm. We both invested. We did. Equal amounts. Yep. Yep. We both have shared we, joint, like what is that word? Like ownership. Joint ownership, yeah. 50-50. Yeah. We right. put our husbands in there somehow too. Right. 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 Yeah. So we we <laughs> completely like right down the middle with our business as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what other things were we talking about before we got on this call that we were like, oh, we should share that? Yeah. I mean, one of the things I think it we've learned along the way is people are so quick to kind of jump into, into a business with, mm-hmm. with a partner. And there are so many things that we thought about going into this, like what are the other person's quirks and how are they going to respond in this situation? Mm-hmm. And am I okay mm-hmm. if, you know, like what would happen if the other person decided this wasn't for them anymore? I mean, we had a lot of those conversations going into it. It wasn't just, I mean, we were so excited about the business and what we were yeah. Starting and we were, but we also were very realistic that like 
what if this destroys our friendship and like, what will we do when we disagree? And like, can I really, like we all say all the time, we're not just in a business partnership. We are in a marriage, yeah. you know? And we really like, I feel like there are many weeks that I spend more time with Katie than I do with my own husband, you know? Exactly. So and we both work from home too. So that's, yeah. We spent a lot of time together. Yes. Yes. So there just were, are a lot of things that you really want to consider as you're going into business with a partner, but then also all of these other things on top of it in terms of, you know, how do you protect yourself and copyright and employees. And so those are a lot of the things that as somebody's kind of going down that road of starting Mm -hmm. a business that they don't consider. And we really would love to kind of open up that discussion today. Um, and our guests. So we've got Amy, Mara, and Laura Katina, who are both lawyers. They actually are partners together. So they own their firm together. And, and Laura has been practicing law for 19 years. 19 years. Is that right? 19 years. That's incredible. Can't believe it. (laughs) That's crazy. And then Amy, seven, seven and a half years. So the two of you are really working together. And um, Laura's been in our community. Like you guys have been a part of our our membership. And so as we were sort of thinking about how can Mm -hmm. we serve our our audience and really help them, because we do have a lot of business owners that follow us as well that are considering these things, we thought it would be great to bring you guys in and give that professional opinion of, you know, I'm sure you've seen some good, bad, and ugly. And so we can kind of talk through the things that you should be considering before for starting a business partnership or things once you're started that maybe if you haven't done, you need to like get them done real fast. Right. So before we dive into it, Mel, I want to put them on the spot and say, and just ask, so what made you two go into business together? So it's really funny, Amy, if you don't mind me jumping in, um, I was chuckling to myself, listening to you two talk about how you started your business because, and I'm sure Amy was thinking the same thing. (laughs) Amy and I have been working together since 2008. So we have known each other, but we were part of another firm. We were Mm -hmm. partners in another firm, but we, and have become close friends over the years. So going into business together, we had like, say it's the same issues. Like we were friends and that like the circumstance you were talking about, like what happens in the situation if you disagree mm-hmm. or if something goes wrong in your relationship. Um, so we had to, we had those same considerations mm-hmm. um, when we went into business together, but we knew we would work well together. We knew it would work, but on the off chance if something went wrong, you have to have those things in place. But we had the same long-term friendship and the same considerations when we went into business together. That's and great. that long-term friendship too also developed um, you know, those quirks that Katie was talking about, right? Mm-hmm. We know each other's quirks. We know how we work well. We know what works best for each other. And we also developed um, like this intense trust in one another, mm-hmm. both on a professional and also on a personal basis. Mm-hmm. And that was a really huge foundation that Laura and I both, we knew that we would gravitate towards a great partnership together because we had so much time under our belts and we really like learned to know more about each other. Um, and yeah, like Katie said, we definitely spend more time together than we do with our husbands yeah. as well. I know, <laughs> We're connected I know. all day long. So <laughs> it's the same kind of, you know, considerations that you have going into partnership across the board, whether you're creatives, whether you're professionals, it just, yeah. it just happens that way. 
And so much trust goes into, you know, your work partner because it is, it's not always 50-50, right? Like, let's just call it like it is. I, I mean, I know that both for Melanie and I, there are seasons when, for example, I was getting ready to launch the Back Pocket Prayer Journal. And I knew that as I was really busy over here, Melanie knew that she had to take on a little bit more at Chic and on vacations and, and those type of things. And I know, Amy, you have a new little one at home too. Mm-hmm. And that understanding that, I've got your back. Like you are good. Even if it's not 50, 50, it's true collaboration and redefining that idea of collaboration is equal on both ends. It's just, there are seasons when you're going to have to give a little bit more and also be accepting of the fact that you don't have, um, you don't have as much to give. And so, and it's not out of, you know, selfishness. It's just truly out of, this is the season of life. And as women, I think that's really important to note that we have a lot of hats to wear, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, moms, I know that, uh, you know, your kids' schedules, we've also had a pandemic and some of us have been homeschooling and then We have all of these different demands on our day and we're still expected to perform really well at work. And so having somebody in a partnership like this has always been for for both Melanie and I has been really, really wonderful too. So a little female empowerment right there for collaboration over competition, because that is totally our jam. But so let's dive in, ladies. We're going to put you on the spot. We're going to ask you some questions uh, just about business ownership. So in a nutshell, my first question for you is, how do you go about determining what kind of business structure or entity you need when you actually decide, all right, I am going to become a CEO. I am going to own a business. What kind of things do you need to consider there? Um, One big thing that always comes up is what's going to be the best for you in terms of taxes. So I always tell our clients, like, just speak with your accountant in terms of um, which structure is going to work best for you. Um, But whatever entity you are you know, going to create, it determines how many people do you have? Is it just two partners? Are there more than two people going into business together? So those are all important things to, to consider when you're deciding which structure you want to choose. So can and the purpose like- behind all of it is protecting yourself, really personal liability. So can you go into a little bit more detail into what kind of options people have with that? You can definitely, and and the laws go, you know, it's state by state. Obviously we are, you know, licensed in New York and I'm licensed mm-hmm. in New Jersey. So every state, the laws are different, but you know, you can do a limited liability company, a corporation, you have an S corp, limited liability partnerships. Like there's so many different okay. choices. So it really, you know, depends on the facts and circumstances of each each relationship and each situation as to what you're going to choose. Amy, do you have anything? No. And I was just going to add really the only other point is that when Laura and I were deciding what kind of partnership, um, when what we were going to name our firm and what kind of structure we were going to have, we both talked to our accountants independently to get the best idea as to what would work best for us. Mm -hmm. Um, Because again, like Laura said, it's really for tax purposes that you Mm want to be concerned with and your liability um, issues. So you have to talk to other professionals. So even for Laura and I, and we're attorneys, we talk to other professionals Mm -hmm. to make sure that we know what's best for us, given the kind of business that we're running. Wow. You know, I, I hear a lot of indirect sales, especially people will just say, 
what did you do? How, what kind of entity, you know? And so they just go, oh, well, so-and-so created this. So I'll just do the same. And I know not everybody can see our faces, but both Laura and Amy are like shaking their heads like, no, don't do that. Right. So don't just take the advice of if you're in direct sales of like an upline and just do what they've done. You really want to look at taxes. Um, you want to speak to somebody that can mm-hmm. give you that input, like, you know, your attorney, accountant mm-hmm. to really look at what's going to be the best fit for you right now, right? It's always best to get your own opinion from somebody else. Consult with somebody on your own because what works best for one person might not work best for the next. You know, it's so funny because Laura and I were just talking about this the other day. We do see a generational gap um, in our clients that some of our clients that we've had business dealings with for, you know, close to a decade, they always picked up the phone and called their attorneys. They always picked up the phone. And they had that book of professionals that they could count upon. And now Melanie, you pointed this out perfectly. A lot of things that you see on social media, people will just gravitate towards those people that influence them, mm-hmm. that are inspiring them. And they say, well, if they do it that way, that's the best way for me. But you really have to take a minute and pause before you jump right in and take that action step. You need to make sure that you're insulating yourself and protecting yourself. So have those people, you know, in your uh, in your dugout waiting for you. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people will just launch a business and not actually go determine what kind of entity they are first. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that can really bite you in the butt in the long run too. So I do have a question just to kind of spin off of that. Is there a certain point, like, should you always set that up first thing before you ever launch a business? Or is there ever a time where you would create income first and then turn it into a business? I think like if you're in like for direct sales, for example, I think it's okay to not have an entity at first if you have a smaller business, but as you grow, mm-hmm. um, and as you say, have, you know, you have more people under you and you have a bigger business, um, you know, and you're putting, you know, more out there on social media and dealing with more people, I think it, it would be important at that point to, to create an entity. Cause you can have a single member entity where it's just mm-hmm. you. So you don't need to have a partner or anybody else. You can just do it yourself, but it's good for protection from, uh, for liability purposes. And also if you have a staff of people that are working with you, right? So you might get to the point in any business that you start onboarding more people as support staff, whether they're employees, independent contractors, you might have more business expenses that you see are coming in. You know, again, talking to your professionals is always going to be a great place to start, but it might become a point where it's a pain point in your business where you Mm -hmm. say, wait a minute, it might be better for me. It might serve my family better. It might serve me better to really evaluate whether or not I should switch this over into a company or a partnership or whatever structure works best. I'm actually really glad, Amy, that you brought up employee versus independent contractor. So could you give us just a business 101 and tell us the difference between an employee and an independent contractor and just what to hire when we when it comes down to we need a little bit of help or we're getting ready to scale our business should we hire somebody as an employee or an independent contractor could you kind of give us the the goods and the bads of that absolutely um Laura if you don't mind I'll jump in and yeah. 
expand upon this. Um, so we actually get this question a lot um, from small businesses as well, because they do have specific people or they have specific needs and they want to be able to fill those needs with specific people. So it's whether or not they have an employee, whether or not they bring on an independent contractor. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a significant difference between the two. Employees are covered by uh, regula- regulations and laws that are both available at the federal levels and at the state levels. Mm-hmm. Um, they also report their income through the business as a W-2 as opposed to a 1099, which is an independent contractor's uh, mm-hmm. form. And it also is a difference between what kind of work or expectations you might be able to have and lay out for an employee as opposed to an independent contractor that's serving a specific need or giving you a specific service. So an example would be an employee that is performing specific work within your kind of business. Um, So let's say for Melanie and Katie, you might have somebody that's helping you with your social media operations and your marketing operations. But then you might also have an independent contractor who comes in to do bookkeeping services for Mm -hmm. you, something like that. So there is a difference. There's a level of control over an employee that's different Mm -hmm. than an independent contractor as well. Um, So those are some of the basics. Does that help clarify that a bit? Yeah. I know that for both Melanie and I, when we opened Chic Influencer, that was a discussion that we had up front for not just tax purposes, but the responsibility of having an employee versus somebody that comes in as an independent contractor who might be more fulfilling the needs as needed. So if it's somebody who might come in and do some graphic design work or images or bookkeeping, those are some things that we took into consideration before looking at somebody to come in as an employee versus somebody that was going to be a contractor. And we also wanted to be able to, we kind of knew how many hours uh, an employee would work versus a contractor where we didn't always know if we would have the work for them to be able to do as well. So that was kind of understood with our independent contractors too. And every state, it has different laws relative to employees and independent contractors. Mm. And people get in trouble sometimes by misclassifying people Mm. as independent contractors when they should really be employees. Like an independent contractor is really supposed to be independent, contract, project-based work, you know, by the hour, um, mm-hmm. start end date for certain projects. Like there are certain factors that will be looked at in terms of classifying somebody as an independent contractor uh, versus an employee. I've had, pe- you know, companies run into that issue before where, you know, they come to me and say, should I classify this person as an independent contractor? Are they really an employee? So you have to really look at the work that each person is doing and make sure that they really are an independent contractor. Yeah, we really did. That was something we definitely ran into at the beginning. And, you know, Matt, my husband is is our CFO and he was like printing out documents. He was like, this is your difference, independent contractor, employee, you know, but it just is something that you don't always, you just don't always think about. But yes, as your company grows, you can have a lot more gray area that you can get into trouble with as well. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about agreements. Um, These are probably things people don't think about, but Mm -hmm. number one, what are agreements, right? And what what do people need to have? What are some of the, the most important ones as you're starting a business? And then even just like understanding the terms of the agreements that you have in place. Let's kind of walk through what people need to know under that category. So there's so many different um, levels of agreements, right? So if you're talking about 
say a partnership agreement, for example, if you have like Melanie and Katie or Amy and I, um, two people who are going into business together, I always say it's it's good to plan for the worst when things are good <laughs> because you have it in writing, you agree on it when you're getting along and everything is going great. Um, so if God forbid at some point down the road, you run into a situation where one of you doesn't want to be in the partnership anymore or the business isn't working the way you thought it would and you need to dissolve it or you need to part ways, mm-hmm. you will have agreed upon how to proceed in that situation when you were getting along. Okay. <laughs> so you'll have a roadmap of what to do if things for some reason fall apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many people don't have these written agreements. Like if you're going into business with a friend, right? Yeah. We're, we're friends. Everything will be okay, right? Yeah. But there might come a time where it's not. So it's so important even to just have like a basic partnership agreement, um, you know, between you just to outline the terms of how your business is going to run and what would happen, God forbid, if things don't go, don't go how you you're planning them (laughs) to go. Um, So that's one situation, but then also contracts um, in your day-to-day business. Like, you know, I'm sure you have a lot of people in the Mm -hmm. sheet community who have like, you know, coaching businesses, lifestyle Mm -hmm. coaches, all Mm -hmm. so even just having a basic agreement for your services mm-hmm. that you offer. So you can have a template. So I think it's so important to have a template um, for your services that you use for every time you're offering a seminar or you're coaching somebody. And then, you know, the other side might come back to you and say, I don't like this. Let's strike this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can and negotiate the terms if you have to. But if you have a business like that, where you're offering a service like coaching or something like that, I think it's so important to have some kind of template that you can offer people from the start. So yeah. I think that's something really important too. Do you guys have any questions about that? No, but Melanie, thought, and okay. I, Melanie and I have gotten so much better about writing even proposals and contracts yeah. with people to make sure that we are as crystal clear about the terms of agreement as possible. So at first, especially if you're new to business, this might feel like just paperwork and busy work, or you kind of feel bad putting it out there. But those terms of agreement they do protect you. They ensure that you will receive your payment if somebody doesn't fulfill their part, their end of the bargain. And so I really couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more that those terms of agreement, the clearer you are, the better when it comes to uh, working with, with clients, especially Mm -hmm. if you're in a business where you're providing a service, um, I'll say as well. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about protection then, because that is another part of all of this. I I know that we talked about structure. We talked about entity. We talked about um, just terms of agreement. But I also want to talk about some other ways that we can protect ourselves as small business owners. So if you were going to give advice to somebody going into business and and just even the things that you've learned, and I'm sure that you have stories for days about things just gone wrong um, when it comes to protecting business, what are some of the things that people often overlook that they don't think about um, that really has gotten them into trouble before so that our audience can make sure they avoid it like the Black Plague? I'm going to start with one. Yeah. I'm going to start with one anecdote actually that tied into our last um, point. You know, as you guys mentioned, I just had a baby at the end of 2020. Um, But Laura and I started our partnership shortly before that. And it was so crucial for us to get our partnership agreement and our operating agreement up and running, even though I was preparing to have a baby. Like you need to just get it done. You need to have 
you know, that, that protection in place. And so that is probably one of the first agreements just to, to really harp on this point that you need to have in place. If you're going into business with somebody else, we know that life is crazy. We know that it's busy. It's never going to be any easier than that. And it's only going to get more difficult if you don't have that in place. Um, but then another topic, and I'm going to shoot this over to Laura because she is definitely, um, (laughs) the expert in the area of employment law. So I would shoot it over to her is non-compete agreements and non-solicitation agreements. Okay. Yeah, those are, and you know what, in a lot of states, it's hard to enforce um, non-compete agreements. So you have, and I've drafted many of them. I've also, you know, defended against many of them in lawsuits. So I've been on both sides of it, but, you know, it's important if you have a business and you have employees, um, if you want to have a non-compete agreement, it's a good way to to protect your business from somebody taking your your business and your information when they leave. But definitely, if you can, consult with a lawyer who's familiar with your state laws, who knows how to draft it so that it will be enforceable. I have seen so many non-competes that are just general, probably okay. taken from the internet, and they're not enforceable because they're not drafted properly. So I would say definitely if you have a situation where you want a non-compete agreement and you you have an employment agreement that you want to put a non-compete or a non-solicitation agreement in, definitely have, get legal advice on it um, and make sure it's drafted properly. So that if God forbid down the road, you actually had to try to enforce it, you could actually do it. So what makes it not enforceable? Are there things that we should look out for that are red flags? Like, what are just some of the things you know? So generally, and I know, you know, and again, it goes state by state, but generally, if you have a non-compete that says somebody can't compete with your business for four years, that's not going to work. Like it can't be too long in duration. Okay. It can't be too wide geographically. Um, it's got, at least in New York, it's got to be limited um, in geographics and also uh, time frame. Uh, to be enforceable. So those are things that you need to consider when you're drafting it. You can't just say, you know, if you have an online business, you can't compete with my business online for the next five years. Like that's not, that's not going to work. So it has to be, be drafted, you know, specifically so that it's enforceable. Okay. You also said it's really hard to like uphold them. So why is it so hard to sort of follow through with maybe a non-compete? Courts don't, at least in New York, Courts yeah. don't like them because it's looked at like you're trying to restrict somebody from earning a living. Mm-hmm. So that's why it, that's why it has to be drafted correctly that it's really not, you know, restricting somebody from earning a living okay. because if it is, then it's not going to be enforceable. Mm-hmm. And so many of them are drafted so broadly. So that's why a lot of times they don't work. Okay. So we said non-compete, um, non-disclosure is another, that is something else that both Melanie and I, when we bring people on that we make, you know, that, that has to be signed. Um, and also just copyright. Can you talk to us for a couple minutes about what you would, if you were working with a small business owner, what are things that they should copyright that, that they maybe just overlook? And what's the difference between copyright and trademark? Do you want to talk about those couple things? So Copyright and trademark are important things, especially for small businesses. Um, if you have graphics or 
a logo or even like a slogan that you want to protect and you don't want anybody else using it, I think it's important to either, you know, copyright or trademark, whatever it is that you're looking to protect. You can do content to a certain extent, but I definitely recommend when you're looking to do something like that, you know, consulting with an attorney who specializes in that area of law who can walk you through like, can you trademark this? Can you copyright this? Is this too broad? Will this work? So somebody who specifies in that area would be able to walk you through the steps. So what would you ladies say, uh, speaking of just finding a lawyer, walking through, and I know you both work out of New York, uh, but what would you, what advice do you have for people when it comes to picking an attorney? What would you tell them to look for when it comes to beginning this process? This is probably my favorite topic that we're talking about today <laughs> um, because as a younger female attorney, I have been brought into a profession that is very male dominated. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, that can be extremely intimidating for some female business owners or really any business owner, right? right. Um, you're asking a professional to explain to you something like the law and you might not have a lot of exposure to it until you actually need to encounter it. So you need to find that kind of person that's going to make you feel comfortable. That's going to educate you and actually teach you. And you're going to actually understand and have like this reciprocal uh, relationship with them, right? Mm -hmm. The worst thing that you could do is walk into any kind of service and, and ask for something and then feel like you're being intimidated or being spoken to like you really don't know what you're talking about. And then you leave and you still don't know <laughs> what you, what the answer is to the question you had, right? Yes. So yeah. um, for Laura and I, that's probably one of the biggest things that Laura and I try to do with our clients is we try to give them the best communication and open and honest communication that we can, because these topics can be extremely tricky. They can be difficult to understand. There can be a lot of follow-up questions and we love questions, right? I mean, we love talking about this stuff all day long and it probably can get a little, you know, hairy at times, but you need to ask the questions that you want answers to. And if you're not getting the right answers, then you need to go look somewhere else. Mm -hmm. There's no shame or pain in doing that. Um, you need to find somebody that works best for you. Yeah, it's so important to be able to ask. Like you don't, you don't want to not be able to ask questions because you're not comfortable. Like you have a question, you need to know the answer, and you don't want to walk out of the office not knowing the answer, right? So you need to find somebody that you're you're comfortable enough with to have a conversation and to not feel stupid by asking yeah. a question. Like whatever the question is, ask it. And you should be able to get an answer and be comfortable asking that question. So we try to work with communication is our biggest thing. Um, we always tell clients like, ask me anything, ask me anything. Um, because I want you to be comfortable with my representation of you. Um, mm -hmm. And I want you to be comfortable in our relationship because if not, then you're really not getting what you're paying for, right? So I think that's one of the biggest things is when you're choosing choosing an attorney, find somebody that you're comfortable with asking every question that you have. Yeah. And some of the best attorneys that you're going to speak to are also the ones that have that Rolodex of other professionals that they lean on, right? So Laura and I have a really great relationship with so many attorneys within our community where we can have any client come to us and say, hey, I need help with X. Do you do this? And if we don't do that, we're not going to go and, and tell our client that we can't 
you know, perform to what they're asking for. We'll say, no, I can't help you with that, but I can direct you to a person that I trust that I believe in. And so hopefully you can find an attorney too, like that, that has great networking has, and has the, um, the ability and, and I guess the humility to say, no, I don't really do that area of practice. Right. I'm not, that's not my bread and butter, Mm -hmm. but so-and-so is a perfect person to go talk to. I love that. And one last thing I would say is that, especially for small business owners who think that they might not be able to afford an attorney, they don't want to call somebody. Like I don't charge for consults, right? Like if somebody calls me to see if I can help them with something, I don't charge them for that. But a lot of people might not know that, right? So definitely, you know, call somebody. Like if you have an issue or you need help with something, um, don't be afraid to find a lawyer. Um, ask for a recommendation, call somebody because you might be surprised. Um, I think it's so important for for small businesses to to have that protection, to have somebody to go to when they have a question because I've had so many situations with businesses will come to me where they end up in a, a litigation situation, right? So Amy and I are both litigators also. And I'll say, well, did you talk to a lawyer before you signed this contract? And they'll say, well, no. I just, and I'm like, no, <laughs> call somebody. <laughs> so, you know, it's so important. Don't be afraid of it. Just, you know, call a lawyer, get some help. Um, it's, it's important to protect your business. I feel like Laura and Amy, you guys are the most down to earth people. And, but luckily we've had really good experiences so far. And there might, there was like one, there was only, there was only one. Yes. That, that was, you know, challenging, but I agree when your comfort level, when you feel comfortable with who you're working with, you, you don't hesitate to ask the question. So, you know, if the person that you're meeting with, you don't feel like that vibe is there, it there, move on, like move Mm -hmm. on to the next, ask for another referral, but finding the right person um, that is going to, I mean, take all of those things into consideration, especially like with the non-compete, non-disclosure, like all of those details that you just want somebody that's really in your corner. They're not just paper pushers. Like they actually care about your business and they're mindful of that as well. And I, I respect that. Yes. So important. Yeah. So just to kind of flip it a little bit, this wasn't on our, this wasn't on our question sheet at all, but if you could give Katie and I any business advice for where we're at right now, just knowing what you know, what, what business advice would you give us from your standpoint that we should consider or, or do next um, that would just help us to continue to thrive and, and be successful? Can I jump in first, Amy? Yeah, go ahead. I just had something that jumped in my head. Um, because I know, you know, so you guys, it looks like, you know, you your business is expanding and you're growing and you might be considering taking on more staff or employees or, or whatever it might be. Um, so my first recommendation would to be make sure you have good agreements in place with them. Okay. <laughs> make sure you are protecting yourself with the right non-competes, um, employment agreements, employee handbooks, depending on how big you're getting, you know, all those things that are just not fun, let's yeah. be real, to deal with, mm-hmm. um, but that are so important, especially as your business is expanding. So make sure you have the right agreements in place with whoever you're hiring. Awesome. I, feel I, like- I would say one tip that I would give is um, although we're living in this COVID world right now, we're not really hosting too many in-person meet and greets or, you know, um, summits or what have you. 
any experiences that you're going to have in person. And if you're going to have other speakers or other engagements coming into your speaking engagement or your conference, what have you, um, I would make sure that you take Laura's recommendation from earlier and have your vendor contract in place. Something that you're going to present to people that are going to come speak, people that might come to advertise, people that might be doing, you know, tables or raffles or anything else that might be engaging your audience at these events. Make sure that you have something that's prepared in um, your arsenal to present to somebody else right? I think it's very legitimizing to actually say, okay, if you want to come participate in my event, here are the terms that make me feel comfortable. These are the ones that I'm looking to have protect me, right? And then like Laura said earlier, oftentimes they'll come back with their demands and then you can come to a compromise and you can have an agreement in place. But it's important because you all are going to continue to scale and we're going to get to a point we're going to be back out in the real world and engaging with our audiences. So that's definitely something that I would say if you don't have it in place already, definitely work on that. I would say too, along those same lines, even for virtual events, Um, if you, cause I have a client that I work with that, you know, has a variety of speakers that are, you know, doing, um, presentations for all these different companies. And and we have a template that we use for all virtual events. Um, and oftentimes the companies will come back and say, we don't want to agree to this, you know, let's change this and that's fine. We can negotiate it. But, um, even if you're doing virtual events, even if you personally say, Mm -hmm. Melanie, you're, you're speaking for another, you're doing, um, a keynote for a company, have something. Um, in place for yourself, um, you know, whether it's virtual in-person events, I think it's so important to have that, that starting place, that template, um, so that you can present that and work from there. That's super helpful. Well, ladies, this has been a very insightful and much needed conversation, especially here in the chic community. So what, um, what we want to know from you is where can, can our, our followers and our listeners reach out to learn more about your practice? So we have our website is uh, katinamara.com. And then um, you can find us on Instagram at katinamaralaw and on Facebook also at katinamaraplc. Yes. And, and don't we, forget LinkedIn as well. Oh, I forgot. Perfect. LinkedIn. Oh, yes. LinkedIn. Yes. <laughs> um, well, we will have their information attached to our show notes this week. Ladies, thank you so much for being a part of the Make She Happen podcast. We're just so grateful to learn from two other women in business who are just doing an incredible job and spending a little bit of time here in Chic. So thank you, ladies. And we will see you all next week on the Make She Happen podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Make Chic Happen podcast with your hosts, Melanie Mitro and Katie Ersta. If you loved our podcast, be sure to leave a comment or review and be sure to tune in next time.